The following program is sponsored by Prayers Heard in Heaven. God wants to raise up an army of believers whose prayer shakes the nation and the nations of the world. God wants you to shake the evil out of its dwelling place in your family, in your workplace, in the nation. Prayers Heard in Heaven is a teaching ministry teaching God's people to pass blessings with prayer. In the fifth chapter of James, the Bible tells us to pray for one another that we may be healed and that the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous person availeth much. The following program, Prayers Heard in Heaven, with speaker and teacher Valerie Sneed, will help you learn to pray fervently and effectively and truly see results in prayer. Valerie Sneed, with Prayers Heard in Heaven, starts now. Paul writes dynamic words that bring power and gives us clear instructions about waging war in the spirit realm. Ephesians 6.10, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. But why, Paul? Why do we need to be strong in the Lord? Oh, he answers this question in the next verse. I'm going to paraphrase, if you will. Put on the whole armor of God so that you may take your stand against the wiles of the devil. Your struggle will not be against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of the world's darkness, against the spiritual forces of the devil in heavenly realms. Today, God wants you to see spiritual warfare in a new light because prayer is a weapon of war. First Peter 5, 8, be sober minded and alert for your adversary. The devil prowls about roaring like a lion seeking someone to devour. But remember what it says? It says he prowls about as a lion. He pretends that he is a lion seeking someone that he may devour. Well, God sent me today to be sure that he cannot put his hands on you, that he will not devour you. Paul told us, put on the armor of God, because in this life, we must wage war against the enemy. We must come against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness and high places. And we better have the armor on. We better be ready to fight because it's combat, child of God. He's telling us, get ready. Be ready to fight against the forces of darkness because they're going to try to come against you. Paul was in prison. And as he was writing, he was seeing the Roman soldiers dressed in all their armor and clad, their feet covered, their chest with the plate that would defend them, that that they would use to fight in the war to defend their army, their sword. And as he looked at them, he began to have revelation of the Christian and how we had to put on the armor of God, that we could wage war and be safe, strong and courageous as we fight so that we would take confidence in the power that God has given us. Paul was having revelation and insight at that time. We must be ready to wage war in the spirit realm, but not waiting for the enemy to attack us before he attacks, go into his territory, go into the enemy's camp and take back anything that he has taken. I mean, it's okay to wage war when something has happened. But what about if you wage war before things happen? What if you rise up early in the morning before your children are out of bed, 
whether they're grown or whether they're school age, and you rise up early in the morning, in the wee hours of the morning before dawn, and you're crying out to God and calling up their name before they get out of bed, before they meet their professor, before they see their teacher, before they're in the office with their boss or their co-workers, before they're in the courtroom, before they go into labor. What if you get up and wage war for them before the enemy attacks? And Paul said, put on the whole armor of God. He was saying, get ready to march forward and to go into the enemy's territory. Don't always wait for him to attack. You must be clad with the armor of God before he attacks your household, before he attacks your finances, before he attacks your marriage. Wage war before he shows up. Command every enemy before he's on your territory not to enter in. Command him before he strikes. Jesus sent out his disciples to destroy the powers of darkness, to heal the sick, to deliver those who were demon-possessed before he arrived. He would send them out to cities. Before he came, they went forward to infiltrate the powers of darkness, to set up the attack. Jesus sent them, and then he came behind them. God wants you to prepare the way for the coming of the Lord, the same way the disciples did. It's time, it's time, it is time that God's people became excited about what he has for us to do in the end time. He's calling us out of darkness into his glorious light. The end time brings restoration to the body of Christ. God is releasing power over the church to do the greater works that Jesus did. We must be prepared to receive the very best that God has for us to experience the greatness, the greatest outpouring of God. We must align ourselves with the Holy spirit so that God himself will instruct us through the Holy spirit so that he will strengthen us by the power of his might. When we align ourselves with the Holy spirit and we go into fasting and prayer, we see dynamic results in prayer. Maybe you're not getting the type of results that you've been seeking, but then it's time, child of God, that you begin a life of fasting and prayer, not just a season, but begin a life of fasting and prayer, aligning yourself with the great teacher. He's the only one who can teach prayer. You know, my son called me one day and he had a decision to make in his business and it was a major decision. And as he was talking to me, I wanted to give him the answer. But the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, he needs to fast and pray on his own. I said, son, I said, you know, for this decision, I think you need to go to the Lord in prayer. You need to align yourself with the Holy Spirit by fasting and prayer and seeking God to get the answer to this situation. He said, you know what? He said, you know, I think you're right. I think that's what I need to do. You know, I'm going to give up chocolate and I'm going to give up sweets. I said, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait, Wait a minute right there, son. Hold on now. Now, my kids are grown, but they know when I say that I'm coming after them. And they better be ready for the attack. I said, now, wait a minute, son. What, what are you talking about? And I remember, you know, I'm listening to this guy and I'm driving and I've got him on speaker. But I'm listening to what he's saying. I'm thinking, what are you talking about? I said, son, what are you talking about? You're going to give up sweets? That's how you're going to fast? I said, listen, 
Now, I know that's the new way of doing things. I said, but son, I haven't found that in my Bible. There's no place in my Bible that says Jesus went in the wilderness and he gave up chocolate. That's not in my Bible. Jesus went in the wilderness and he gave up sweets. That is not in my Bible, son. Now, I know to fast means to deny yourself of something. But I'm talking about Holy Ghost power. I'm talking about the miraculous, miracle working power of God flowing through you. I'm talking about revelation, insight and discernment, because that's what I thought you were after. And if that's what you're seeking, son, you're going to have to give up more than sweets. Do you understand what I'm saying? The Bible says that when Jesus went into the wilderness, now he came ye apart a while when he went into the wilderness, the Bible says. He was there for 40 days and afterwards he hungered. I want to read it for you. Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he hungered. So we know that he did not eat. Now, it's possible that he drank because it didn't say afterwards he thirsted and hungered. It said afterwards he hungered. So we know that he did not eat, but it's possible that he drank just by what the scripture tells us here. So if we're going to fast and we're going to pray, I said, son, I'm going to make a suggestion for you because I don't want to upset anybody's theology. But what I am going to say to you, if you're going to fast and you're going to pray and you want to align yourself with the Holy Spirit, my suggestion to you is go by the way the Bible outlines fasting and prayer. Now, Daniel fasted and he prayed. Jesus fasted and he prayed and it tells us, it gives us that insight of how they fasted and prayed. God wants us well informed. Ephesians 6, 10 to 11 says, it's not a battle of flesh and blood, but of the spirit. And so therefore, when we align ourselves with the Holy Spirit and fasting and prayer, When we align ourselves that way and we lighten our tank, so to speak, you know, eating less food, not eating meat and heavy foods that would weigh us down, our spirit becomes light. We become humble before the Lord. We begin to realize, wait a minute, I'm not as strong as I thought. You know, I'm counting on something. I am sustained by something. And as you fast, you realize it is only God that is sustaining me through this time that I am seeking him in prayer. When we repent as we fast and as we pray and change our direction, we repent and we fast and we pray and we seek God. That's when we are aligning ourselves with the Holy Spirit and we become humble before God and we begin to hear the voice of God. We begin to understand what God is giving us to say and to do. When we're fasting and we're praying and we're waging war, we don't blame circumstances and people on our need. That's wasting our time and our energy and fighting in natural conditions. Instead, we fight the supernatural forces of darkness. We need to wake up to warfare that's going on in the heavenly realms. And we get a glimpse of it in Daniel 10 to 12. There we find Daniel's been fasting and praying for 21 days. He's seeking God to receive revelation. Remember? And then the angel appears to him with the answer. What took him so long? He was fighting the enemy in the heavens. Remember the angel says to Daniel, from the moment your words were spoken, from the moment you prayed, 
Your words were heard, but I was detained for 21 days and Michael had to come and help me fight. And so though we may pray and when you don't see the answer right away, remember delay does not mean denial. There may be a fight going on in the heavenly realm over what you are praying about and the enemy may be resisting you receiving revelation and answers to your prayer. According to the Bible, there are realms and levels of heaven. The heaven where God resides is one heaven. The stellar heavens is like the outer space realm, and we call it the heavens. The heavens around the earth, the atmosphere surrounding the planet earth, that's the last heaven. That's the heaven where spiritual warfare takes place. That's why Ephesians 2.2 calls Satan the prince of the power of the air. The air is where wicked spirits operate. From there, they attempt to rule and to reign in this world. But when you pray as a child of God, you prevent their reign in your life and in the life of those whom you are praying for. God hears the prayers of his children and he has not forgotten you. Isaiah forty nine sixteen. Behold, I've written your name on the palm of my hand. God loves you. God tells Joshua, no one will be able to stop you as long as you live. I will be with you as I was with Moses and I will never leave you and I will never stop helping you. Joshua 1 5 today. God wants you to know that he will never stop helping you seek him fast and pray. Stay in the word day and night. You will find that you will have revelation power when someone comes to you with a dilemma. When you yourself are facing opposition and a difficult circumstance, God will speak to you. Oftentimes, when a situation is coming against you, God will even speak and say he or she has no power. And you will know that the outcome of your situation will be victorious. Remember, Moses had a stunning relationship with God. God wants you to meet with him in the same way that Moses did because he wants to answer your prayer. He's not a God that's far off in the heavens and hard to reach. He desires to communicate with you and to answer your prayers and to give you the desires of your heart. Exodus thirty-three twelve to 13. You have said, I know you by name. And you have found favor with me. If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways so that I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember, this nation is your people. What if the cry of our heart was teach me your ways, Lord, that I may know you. Teach me your ways, Lord, that I may not sin against you. Moses knew that as long as he had God's presence with him that they would be different from all the other people on the earth because all the other nations had other gods. They had strange gods and idols. Moses' deepest desire was to know God. The cry of his heart was, teach me your ways. What if each of us cried out, Lord, teach me your ways that I may not sin against them. Power, great power would belong to each of us. In prayer, Moses had this relationship with God because of the burning desire 
to know him. Moses fasted and prayed. He interceded for the children of Israel and God answered his prayer. Moses changed God's mind when he said that he would destroy the children of Israel. Instead of God's anger falling upon the children of Israel and destroying them, God extended mercy and his loving kindness and his presence to the children of Israel. Moses found favor in God's sight. Moses, like Abraham, was a friend of God. But Moses had a unique relationship with God that no other man had. Many in the Bible had dreams and visions as they communicated with God. But Moses had an extraordinary relationship with the Father. Exodus thirty-three eleven. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. This is an absolutely amazing and it's an intriguing relationship. The Lord spoke to him face to face. It doesn't get any better than that. Moses understood something important about God. He understood that if God was his priority, that if God came first in his life, that he would then have the presence of God with him and he would have access to the power of God. Most importantly, Moses came to understand that relationship was the only way to know God. Relationship was how to get mighty answers in prayer. This is what Moses truly came to understand. Moses told the Lord when it was time for them to go to the promised land that he would not go on that journey unless God's presence was with them. And the Lord replied, my presence will go with you. And I will give you rest. That means I will give you peace. That means when my presence is with you, you won't be in battle. You won't be struggling because I'm going to go before you and make easy and successful your way. Then Moses said this to him. If your presence does not go with us, then don't send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the earth? Listen, God responds to Moses. And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing that you have asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. The relationship, established relationship with God, we see amazing results in prayer. The cry of our hearts must be, Teach me your ways that I may know you and find favor with you. Oh, that must be the cry of our hearts today. Look at the relationship that Moses had with God. Teach me your ways that I may know you and find favor in your sight. God is calling the church today to have an intimate relationship with him a relationship that sets us on the mountaintop in every battle in life where we can see into the circumstance. In Philippians 3.10, Paul writes this, I want to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. He wanted relationship with Christ that he may know him in an intimate way. He wanted to understand Christ, the power of his resurrection, and to understand the fellowship, 
to be so intimately related to Christ that he would truly understand his suffering. What if that was the cry of our hearts today? Father, I want to know you, the power of your resurrection. How were you truly raised from the dead? How do I come to understand the same power that raised Christ from the dead is live in me? How do I come to have that type of relationship with God through fasting and prayer, through that intimate time alone with the Father? Jesus alone with the wilderness, he's in silence. He's not speaking a word. It's just him and the Lord. When is the last time? that you spent all night with the Father in prayer? When is the last time you were shut in alone and it's just you and God? When is the last time that the cry of your heart was, I want to know you, the power of your resurrection and the fellowship of your suffering? I want to know you, Lord. I want to know your ways that I do not sin against him. That's a different type of prayer than praying for things. That's a different type of prayer than focused on the world. That's the type of prayer that's focused on the interior life. And that's the type of prayer that brings us into powerful warfare prayer. Someone who prays like that, a child of God who prays that way, stands between heaven and earth and commands the powers of darkness to decease and its activity, commands demons and evil spirits sickness and disease to come out of one and those spirits must flee. That individual has the power to command fevers to break and they break. That individual has the power to command powers of darkness and pull down yokes of bondage, destroying strongholds because the anointing rests upon them and the fire of the power of God is alive within their words. Isaiah one eighteen. come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. He wants to show himself strong to us. He wants to, to show us the, his power and his glory. He's looking for that heart that will devote itself to him. That person that will give their entire heart and their life to him. Moses fasted and he prayed. What if you began a season of fasting today? What if you had a season of 21 days of fasting and seeking God as Jesus did going into the wilderness, as Daniel did fasting and praying on vegetables and beans and grains and no sweets and no meat? What if you went on a true fast? And sought God, drinking lots of water, repenting and humbling yourself before God, going into forgiveness and repentance using Isaiah 58. It gives us clear instructions for fasting, repentance and confession. This is a season to repent before God, calling unto him and calling unto his mighty power, stepping into a season of power in your life, crying out to God, letting him know, I want to know your ways so that I do not sin against them. I want to know the power of Christ's resurrection and be in the fellowship 
of his suffering. That means being one with his suffering, coming into an intimate relationship, an understanding of the fellowship of his suffering, joining in a oneness with God. He will rise you up to have an intimate relationship because the power of God moves through relationship. It doesn't move through words. It doesn't move because of the position that we're in when we pray. It doesn't move any other way except through relationship. And the only way to have an intimate relationship with God is to spend that time in fasting and prayer, calling on the Holy Spirit to give you revelation power. I'm Valerie Sneed with Prayers Heard in Heaven, teaching God's people to pray. You've been listening to Valerie Sneed with Prayers Heard in Heaven. If you missed any of the program, listen next Sunday evening at 5.30. For more information about their weekly live prayer call, visit their website at prayersheardinheaven.org.